0: that song. Uh, let me let me echo what Pastor Colin said a minute ago and thank you for just um, the messages and the gifts that you guys gave for pastor appreciation. Um, we joke around here quite a bit, you know, Matt, Pastor Matt, whatever. I I don't, it's, it's hard to, ministry was not something that I chased. Um, even though I went to Christian college, I didn't think that God would ever call me to do something like this or allow me to do something like this and every week that goes by that I show up here I'm reminded of how much I need him but I'm reminded of how much I love where I'm at I'm so thankful to be here I'm so thankful to be a part of this church I'm so thankful to be a part of what God is doing I told some of the guys um a few weeks ago we were talking a little bit about future plans and um and I just kind of spoke up and I said, guys, this, this, is, why, this, is, why I, this is why I'm here. This is exciting to me. This is uh, to watch God doing what he's doing here, even just in the short time that I've been here. I came here uh, in 2018 just to, just to serve in a part-time role and then uh, was full t- began full-time back in January here. But just to see what God is doing is a miracle. And I hope you don't miss out on the opportunities that are happening, the service opportunities, the ministry opportunities, the future opportunities. I hope that you don't let those things pass you by without missing out on the blessing of being involved in it. Um, so that's my plug for that tonight. Thank you for that. Thank you for praying for us this week. Um, it's, been, it's been a fun week. <laughs> we, we, have, we have officially made our contribution to the medical community this week. Um, my, my, my wife had her, her, her routine CT scans this week, and praise God, all those were clear. Um, then Thursday, my daughter had surgery, and so that's where they're all at tonight. She's at home, uh, you know, hobbling around, trying not to fall down and get hurt again. Um, but this was a wild few days. God was with us like, like He always is, though. Um, I've learned once again that I do not like hospitals, blood, needles. I passed out four times watching them try to put the IV in my kid's hand. We didn't know which one of us was the one that actually needed medical attention. Uh, But I I just don't do well with that kind of stuff. Now, now, in this pastoral role, I do go to the hospital quite a bit to visit people. So if you're in the hospital, I mean, I'm going to come see you. But I'm gonna do one of those fast run walks out of the hospital when I'm done coming to visit you. I don't like hospitals are not my favorite thing, uh, but I'm sure I'm thankful that we were able to um, to get her taken care of. And even though it was it was a crazy week, I don't like hospitals, but I do like the fact that Baptist Hospital has a Chick Fil A in it. Um, it is a Baptist hospital. It, might, it makes perfect sense, but. Uh, <clears throat> It, it did. It did lessen the load a little bit. Um, so we're rounding the corner of First Samuel here. We've been in First Samuel for forty-two years, three months, and five days. And we're just about there, okay? Um, We're just about finished with this book. Pastor Colin did a fantastic job a couple weeks ago. I was out, but I got to listen to it on dealing with doubt in, in 1 Samuel 27. But it's been a few weeks since we were actually in 1 Samuel. So by way of review, let's just go back and hit some of the highlights so that we know where we've been and so that we can apply that to where we are right now. So the Israelites are clamoring for a king just like all the other nations And Samuel the prophet goes to God and says that, and God says, okay, give them a king. If that's what they want, give them a king. And um, Saul, is we're introduced to him, he's tall, he's handsome, he is uh, full of potential, but like all of us, he's got some major character flaws. He's dishonest, he doesn't have the integrity that a king should have, and he has a hard time admitting when he is wrong. Uh, Sounds like the rest of us, right? Uh, He eventually disqualifies himself as a king by outwardly disobeying God's commands. That's in 2nd, uh, 1 Samuel 13 and 15. And then Samuel confronts Saul and tells him that God's gonna raise up a new king because of his sin, and that man is David. David's kind of the least likely candidate to be a king, but God's choice of David really isn't based on his ability, but it's great trust in God. We're seeing this theme in 1 Samuel of the proud and the humble being brought low. People like Saul, people like Goliath, and people who are humble are being exalted, people like David. After David's great victory over Goliath, Saul makes David a general in the army. And he's winning battles, but in the, the same time, he's winning the people of Israel over. And Saul is being driven almost insane by anger and jealousy. And he wants he chases David to kill him. And David has done nothing wrong, but he just kind of waits. And he has multiple opportunities to kill Saul, but he never does it. Uh, but many, and many of the poems and, and psalms that we've been studying the last few weeks are written over that period of time that David is, uh, is in hiding for his life. And we're seeing this warning throughout Saul, uh, Saul's time in 1 Samuel. It's this warning. It's time to deal with our flaws. It's time to deal with our sin. Humble ourselves and see it the way that God sees it before it hurts ourselves and hurts everyone around us. This is a similar warning in the Old Testament that Pastor Jake talks about quite a bit. Obedience brings blessing, but disobedience brings judgment. That is a theme throughout the entire Old Testament, and we're seeing it once again here. Uh, the fir- now that we've found ourselves in, in the, up to 1 Samuel 27, when David has gone to King Achish, of the Philistines and David's hanging out in Ziklag, dealing with his doubt like Pastor Colin talked about. The first few verses of 1 Samuel 28 are the finishing the narrative kind of of 1 Samuel 27. So if you'll bear with me, I'm going to read through this chapter and we'll explain what's going on and how it affects us. Number Verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle thou and thy men. And David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know what thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel together, and they pitched in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by the Urim, nor by prophets. And then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her. And inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit, and endure. And Saul disguised himself, it's the first Halloween costume, and put on other raiment. And he went, and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. And he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he cast, hath cut off all those that have familiar spirits in the wizards and out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall be no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Who shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up, Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice, And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw God ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he's covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore have I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee, and has become thine enemy? And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand, and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Because thou abatest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon Amalek, therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow thou, sh- thou shalt thou and thy sons be with me. The Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines." Then Saul fell straightway all along the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. There was no strength in him, for he had eaten no bread all the day nor all the night. And the woman came unto Saul and saw that he was sore troubled and said unto him, Behold, thine handmaid hath obeyed thy voice, and I have put my life in thine hand, and have hearkened unto thy words without which thou spakest unto me. Now, therefore, I pray thee, hearken thou also unto the voice of thine handmaid, and let me set a morsel of bread before thee, and eat, that thou mayest have strength when thou goest on thy way. But he refused and said, I will not eat. But his servants together with the woman compelled him, and he hearkened unto their voice, so he arose from the earth and sat upon the bed. And the woman had a fat calf in the house, and she hasted and killed it, and took flour and kneaded it, and did bake unleavened bread thereof. And she brought it before Saul and before his servants, and they did eat, and they rose up and went away that night. The title of what I want to talk about tonight is fitting. It is the day before, it would be the message that Pastor Jake gives me to talk about the day before Halloween. Um, But the title of the message tonight is Ghost Stories What in the World? can you imagine this situation? We're going to go back to the situation several times, but can you imagine being in the room when the spirit of Samuel comes up and then on top of that to get the message that Saul gets? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Let's pray and we'll jump in a little further. Lord, thank you so much for this night. Lord, I pray that you would help me to handle your word the right way. Lord, help me to say the things that I need to say, and stay away from what I need to stay away from. Lord, may everything that's said and done tonight be done for your glory and honor alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's look at verse 1 and 2 once again. Um, and it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. The Philistines are preparing for battle against Israel. They're going to talk about where they are actually um Preparing at it's very dangerous ground. If you look at the map of Israel, but David has been living in Ziklag in Philistia for some time now. Achish is the king of Gath, and that Gath that is that town where Goliath comes from. So David is living pretty much in enemy territory right now, and Achish thinks, based on chapter twenty-seven, that David is full team Philistia right now. Is living there actually obligated him to be ready to be a fighter for the Philistines he and his 600 men. And so Achish is coming to town to collect on that. This is the equivalent, you know, for you know, having David on that side. This is kind of like if Steph Curry were to leave Golden State and be like, "You know what? I'm going to go to Charlotte to live here and play for the Hornets." It just it wouldn't happen, right? It's not going to happen. But this is the scenario that you're dealing with. Achish is thrilled to have this great warrior David Fighting for them and living in Gath and in town with him, you know, then the question begs itself should David have even been there? Maybe not, but we can't ignore what we, we read in 1 Samuel 27 a few weeks ago. That first verse it said, And David said in his heart, I'm going to go, uh, I shall now perish by the hand of Saul. That reminds us that our thoughts often determine our actions. David was really in this spot of depression and he was doubting the call of God on his life. And so in a weak moment, he listens to himself rather than the word of God. And he finds himself in a place he probably never should have been to begin with. And now he's in a pinch. He's got himself in a a bit of a pickle now that he's left town. Because for David to refuse to fight for Philistia, Achish is going to call his bluff on that and he's going to be in even bigger trouble. But on the other hand, if he fights for Philistia, he's fighting against the country that he's been anointed king of. So David's in a David's in a mess right here. For him, you know, surely he. So he kind of comes up with a both ways are happy solution. The way he says it, surely thou shalt see what thy servant can do. What does that even mean? What a weird statement for him to say. So he's just kind of playing. He's keeping his his card's close to him a little bit. Reminds me of that uh, that great worship song by Kenny Rogers. you got to know when to fold them. Know when to hold them. Know when to walk away. Know when, this is a situation where he's definitely, he's holding things close right now. Akish takes what he hears to heart from David. And he really takes the bait on that. And he says, Therefore will I make thee a keeper of mine head forever. I want to make you top bodyguard. This truth kind of... Rings true here. Pride hears exactly what it wants to hear, right? If someone pays us a compliment, we're often the first to say, I don't, I don't like that guy, right? We're often drawn to whatever confirms what we think. That's why we listen to talk radio. That's why talk radio exists. But Akish thinks that I've got the hero of Israel on my side. Now they're going down forever. But the narrative turns in towards Saul now in verse 3. Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah. And Solomon put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Now, verse 3 kind of seems like it's dropped in between this important narrative about what's going on in David's life. So much so that it seems to be kind of out of place. And if you, when we study our Bible, it's important that we ask those questions, Why is this here? Why is this important? Because it's not an accident. We're going to find out in just a minute. Let's look at verses four through six. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and and came and pitched in Shunem. And Saul gathered all of Israel together, and they pitched in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams nor by the Urim nor by the prophets. So the Philistines have gathered. The area that they're pitching their tents at is really close, okay? Saul can see this, and he greatly trembles. He's fearing for his life. Saul was a man of great courage when the Lord was with him. And we know that from 1 Samuel 11, 6 and 7. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul when he heard these tidings, and his anger was kindled greatly. Verse seven says, And he took a, y- a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces and sent them throughout the coast of Israel by the hands of the messengers, saying, Whosoever cometh forth not after Saul uh, and after Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people and they came out with one consent. This is the actions of a man who is being empowered by God and he has great courage. But now Samuel is losing that courage when the spirit withdraws from Saul. 1 Samuel 16 tells us the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Saul inquires of the Lord now. He's been living his own life. He's been ignoring the voice of Samuel while he was alive. He's done things his own way regardless of the possible consequences. And now he wants God's help. But God's having none of it. God's not speaking to him. Does this sound a little bit familiar in our life? How many times do we find ourselves, when everything is good in our life, doing everything our own way, we act, we may not really think this way, but we act in such a manner that I don't need God. I'm reminded of that message that Pastor preached a couple of Sunday nights ago from Romans 7. We need the Spirit of God. What a reminder. I can't do anything without the Spirit of God and His help. I was so convicted by that. Saul's sin has separated him from God. He wouldn't hear God early in 1 Samuel, and now God's not going to hear him. Why is God silent to him? David talked about this in Psalms. He says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Saul should have come to God in repentance, entreating for mercy, because God hears the humble heart, and Saul is entreating God for strategy instead. Why would God speak any more to us? if we won't listen to what he's already said. God says, turn from your sin, but we don't. We want guidance, we want wisdom, but we want to obey what God's already said to do. Instead of asking God for mercy, he's asking for strategy, how to win this battle. All of this is happening to Saul. Why? Because of his earlier sin. What was that sin? 1 Samuel 15. You don't have to turn there. but I'll just read it really quickly. Verse 8, and he took Agag the king of the amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword but Saul and the people spared agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and of the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them but everything that was vile and refused they destroyed utterly so this sin that happened in chapter 15 is now affecting him to toward the end of his life in chapter 28 but what did samuel say about it to him if you're uh, still in chapter 15, verses 20, 20, 22 and 23 tell us this. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Wow, We're gonna, that, that's going to be very important in a minute. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Saul had kept the king alive. He had kept the spoils of war to himself. And Samuel calls him out on it. But Saul's real problem was not that he kept a bunch of cattle and that he kept a king alive. Saul's real problem was that he had a heart of rebellion toward God. This is called Saul now in chapter 28 to have the presence of the Lord departed from him when he needed it. And because his heart was rebelling against God, God's presence has left Saul, and he can't get an answer from Samuel, who is already dead, nor by dreams, nor by any of the prophets. Let's continue in verse 7. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor, And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went, and two men with him, that they came to the woman by night. And he said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up, whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits, and the wizards, and out of the land, Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? She said, you trying to get me killed? And Saul swears to her by the Lord, saying, as the Lord liveth, there shall be no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, whom shall I bring up unto thee? And And he said, bring me up, Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? And she said, An old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. That's scary. I mean, this woman, this witch at Endor, was used to playing tricks and using tricks to conjure up these familiar spirits. But now the real thing's happening. And they're both freaked out. Verse 7, let's go back to verse 7 a second. He said, seek me a, familiar, seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit that I may go to her and inquire of her. What, hadn't Saul gotten rid of all this stuff? Verse 3 reminds us of that, right? And And Saul put away all those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Saul knew that this was wrong and that the Israelites had been forbidden to be involved with any of that type of stuff. Consulting mediums, people who would communicate or try to communicate with the dead. But he sought this out anyway because he was so desperate for an answer. The fact that he goes out at night and he disguises himself shows that he knows this is wrong to do this. We, you know, I joke, Saul's, you know, Saul disguised himself. If you read about Saul, Saul stood head and shoulders above everybody else in Israel. How are you going to disguise yourself? What, you know, if you look at Middle Eastern folks, Jewish folks, they're pretty short. Saul is tall. That'd be like me being like, I want to dress up as Pastor Colin for Halloween. They'll never know. Think about the comparison here. So he goes to this woman and he, and he says, he, he, say, he explains what he wants. And she says, why are you asking me to risk my life to do this when you know what Saul has outlawed here? Maybe the woman, I'm not going to read a whole lot into it, but maybe the woman recognized who it was. I mean, he was the king. It's not, like, I mean, it's not like he had like an action figure in the markets out there, but he was recognizable. He was the king of Israel. He was Saul. Can you imagine how this story might have gone down? She's like talking. She's talking to him using, air. you know, what Saul has said, right? This could get me killed, and Saul uses this opportunity to swear by the Lord that she's not going to get in trouble. Now, this is—I didn't realize this point when I, until I started studying. But this is the very last time that God is—he's going to use the name of God. And he's going to use it pardon a witch. This is how desperate and how deep in trouble Saul really is. Verse 11 and 12. Let's look at it. When she saw Samuel, she completely loses her mind. And when she saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. Scripture says that Samuel appears to them... And she is somebody who followed God, so she dealt with familiar spirits. So when the real deal Samuel comes up, she had good reason to be afraid. This practice of witchcraft was outlawed by God's word, but this stuff exists. And this is just another reminder that we know that this type of stuff exists in the world today, but it always falls under the authority of God. We know God is in control over these situations. So God allows this to happen. One author had this to say about this. The medium was probably so shocked because she was a fraud and most of her dealings with the spirit realm were mere tricks. Now Samuel really appeared from the world from beyond and she was completely surprised to have a real encounter with the spirit realm. In addition, we can say that the medium was familiar with the presence of demonic spirits, but the presence of, the, of Samuel was probably unfamiliar to her. This holy presence May have seemed terrifying to her. The indications are that this was not a, this was an extraordinary event for her and a frightening one because she was no longer in control. Verse fourteen, and he said unto her, "What form is he of?" And, he, and she said, "An old man cometh up, and she is covered, and he is covered with a mantle. This mantle that they're talking about is a is a torn robe. If you read back in First Samuel fifteen, this signifies." Once again, the message that Samuel sent to Saul, he tore his robe and he said, the kingdom has been rent from you and given to David. This is going to be another message for Saul. Saul stoops to the ground. He had rejected Samuel's counsel. Now that Samuel is back, he realizes he misses that direction that he needs. And he's probably wondering to himself, Saul, how did I ever get into this situation? And it's a reminder from Scripture to us that pride and sin will always take us farther than we want to go. Now the Philistines are ready to attack Israel. They're just miles away in Shunem. But what if Saul would have obeyed? Let's think about the other side of this. What if he would have done, simply done what God said, had said earlier? This enemy could have easily been destroyed and the Amalekites could have easily been destroyed and in chapter 15. They didn't, have, they didn't have to have power over Israel, but if Saul would have simply obeyed, he may not have ever had to deal with these issues. Think about your own life. The, the sin, the evil that we think that we have power over today without God will one day ruin us. And so I, my question for, for myself and for us is what is it right now that we're refusing to deal with? The warnings from the life of Saul are very clear. What is it that we're just slipping off to the side and not dealing with in our life? Verse 15, now that Samuel's up and around them and everybody knows it, let's see what he has to say. Saul knows that that God has departed from him. And Samuel said to Saul, why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And he said, I'm sore distressed for the Philistines make war against me. And God has departed from me and answereth me no more. Therefore have I called thee, and then said Samuel, Wherefore dost thou ask of me, seeing the Lord has departed from me, and become thine enemy? And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand, and given it to thy neighbor, even to David. Samuel is simply reiterating what he already said chapters ago. He says, Why are you bringing me up if you know what's going on? And then Samuel predicts Saul's fate Saul's going to die. Saul's sons are going to die. And the host of Israel are going to be delivered to the hands of the Philistines. Saul's sin from chapter 15 had far-reaching consequences. And so does our sin. Let's look at Saul's response. This is verse 20. Then Saul fell straight, straightway all along the earth and was sore afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no bread all the day nor all the night. Saul... This is the night where Saul had been, should have been preparing for battle. It was his job to protect Israel against these attacks. He shouldn't have been fasting. He shouldn't have been traveling around the Philistine army. Remember, they're, they're camped really close. And so in order for Saul to get to Endor, to even go see this lady, he has to walk right by the Philistine army, disguised. So he hears all for him to hear this message from Samuel that he's going to die, and his family's going to die, and Israel's going to be captured. And when he hears this message, he falls out. There's no strength in him. He's literally sick. It wasn't just because of the words of Samuel. It was because Saul knew that he was now God's adversary. What a terrible, terrible place to be. And then verse 21, the witch is just looking out for herself. She says, I did what you told me to do. I'm just the messenger. Don't kill me. And verse 22, the witch turns into a nurse. She's having to make him food. And he refuses to eat. But then he finally eats. He's so far from God that he has to eat bread from a witch to get physical strength to go home just so he can get ready to die the next day. What a sad story. Saul's last meal is from a witch. So what can we take away from this? we got five minutes. I'm, almost, I'm way, way behind. What can we take away from this, this whole story? It's sad, isn't it? It's not, it's not the encouraging messages we've heard the last couple of weeks. But we can take away some things for our own life. Number one, where we seek counsel from matters. Where we seek counsel from matters. We can contrast and compare David's life and Saul's life and see where they went right and wrong on their own past, But we can clearly see why God calls David a man after God's own heart. He sought God. He followed the Lord, not just in times of desperation when he needed something. We're reading through the Psalms and going through the Psalms on Sunday mornings. We're going to see more and more David is following the Lord to follow the Lord because he wants to be close to the Lord, not because he wants something from the Lord. Psalms one, Psalm 119.5, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 77.13, Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? We were just here last week. Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Although there were times that Saul did the right thing, we talked about that. The trend in this story and in his story was for him to do the opposite of what God had said and to rebel against the counsel that he had already been given. So how could he expect God to speak to him with something new when he wouldn't obey what he had already been told? Saul knew the words of Samuel when he was alive, and he disregarded them. Saul knew that repentance was the key to restored fellowship, but he wouldn't do it. And now that Samuel was dead, he was willing to return right back to the sinful practices that he had outlawed to get some sort of answer. So my question for us and for you is, where do you go for your answers? In the Old Testament, they had the prophets to get a word from the Lord. Today, God has given us His entire revealed word. Why would we go somewhere else when He's given us every answer that we need in Scripture? And it doesn't, it's not enough to just... Open the Bible when everything's going wrong. It's not enough to open the Bible when you get the cancer diagnosis. It's not enough to open the Bible when that loved one is sick and that loved one is dying. It's not enough to open the Bible when your life is falling apart. If you want that counsel from God, seek Him daily. James 1.5 tells us, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. Are you looking for godly wisdom in your life? Look in Scripture. There's a couple ways, a couple areas where you can find that godly counsel. Number one, it's Scripture. Number two, the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Do you want to know how to apply what you hear for your life? Listen. Be attentive. Be engaged when the Word of God is opened. On Sundays here at this church, we take pride. We take it very seriously when we open God's word. We, we speak when the Bible speaks and we're silent when the Bible is silent for a reason. It's because this word is elevated above everything else. And But it can't, you can't survive on that just from Sunday. It has to happen tomorrow morning too. You need answers, they're right here. And thirdly, godly counsel from friends. God places people in our lives to tell us the truth, not just what we want to hear. I love what Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of the enemy are deceitful. You need those friends in your life. You can find them here at church, but you need those friends in your life that can tell you the truth, that can give you that godly counsel. I cannot tell you where I would be if it weren't for some godly friends in my life that I could speak to and that I could let them tell me the truth that I maybe not wanted to hear, but that I needed to hear. If we're seeking the Lord, we should follow the example of David and not Saul. David sought the Lord for much more than guidance, as evidenced by the Psalms. We're told that Saul inquired of the Lord, but the Lord didn't answer him. We should assume that Saul didn't seek the Lord genuinely during this time. With an increasingly seared conscience, Saul is only seeking inside information to benefit himself and when the lord will not give him what he wants he's willing to turn anywhere for it there's a big difference between seeking the lord himself and seeking only what we can give in order to serve ourselves number 10 number 2 wow number 2 not 10 points number 2 be killing our sin before it kills us saul had multiple opportunities to repent of his sin in fact in 1 samuel 15 he kind of halfway repents First Samuel fifteen twenty four and twenty five tells us, and Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore I pray that you pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Saul's blaming the people for his own sin. He says, because I feared the people, and he's trying to justify his sin with another sin. Had he feared God, one author said this: Had he feared God more, he would have needed to fear the people less. Saul's heart was full of rebellion and stubbornness and a simple, please pardon my sin was not going to change his heart. In chapter 28, we're seeing the depths of Saul's sinful heart. He's so stubborn that he's willing to go to the lowest of the low for an answer. But maybe the main point wasn't that Saul dabbled on witchcraft. which had no place in Israel. Maybe the main point wasn't that Saul sought the wrong counsel. Maybe the point we need to remember is that And be warned of is that Saul ran to the very sin that he had outlawed in a time of weakness. Rather than going to God with a repentant heart and asking for wisdom. How often do we run to sin instead of running to our Savior in those times of need and in those times of weakness? So my question is, where do you go when it all breaks down in your life? I'm guilty of running the wrong direction. So are you. We all are. We fight this flesh and this sin nature, and we'll fight it until the day that we die. But whatever we need the most, whatever we feed the most is what's going to come out. Pastor Colin talked about that this morning. So what are you feeding yourselves? Are you feeding what the world says? Or are you feeding yourself from the Word of God? Saul's time as king began in the early morning hours, but you're seeing that his reign is going to end late in the night, where he had no business being out. Disobedience in the past brought darkness into the present and will bring destruction and death to Saul in the end. He had rid the nation of witchcraft, but he was harboring that same witchcraft in his heart. We should take a lesson from the warnings of Saul's life here. But I don't want to end on a sad note, because because of the gospel because of what's in this book right here we don't have to live that way we can have that fellowship with God we can have that restoration through the gospel through his goodness and he's given it in his word for daily counsel let's pray lord i'm so